Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to new listeners. What is I Seem Fun, the diary of Jen Car- God damn it. This is exactly what it is. I couldn't even say my own name. And I almost just hit pause so that I could edit this out. But screw it. That's what this podcast is. I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast, is a solo podcast done by me, comedian Jen Kirkman. You may remember me from Chelsea Lately or Drunk History. You may have read my books. You may have seen my Netflix specials. I'm going to die alone and just keep living. This is where I go to say whatever the hell I want. There doesn't have to be punchlines. It doesn't have to be politically pleasing to any particular group. It doesn't have to be funny. It can be sincere. I've cried on this podcast before. I've definitely been funny on this podcast before. I've been informative. I've been stupid. I've just been a human. This is where you can go to for free, listen to a performer, riff for an hour, about what went on in their mind, in their world, in their life that week. I started this podcast in 2013 when I was a writer and performer on the Chelsea Lately Show. Because of how fun that show was and I was doing things like Drunk History, a lot of people thought I was a very fun party girl. And so they were coming to my shows drunk and screaming things out and I realized this is out of control. People need to know that I seem fun, but I'm really not fun. I'm, I like to do dumb things like stay home on Friday night and make lists. And I like to not be wasted and shouting things out if I'm in the audience somewhere. I wanted a podcast for people to find the real me. And it's been one of the most fun things that I've ever done in my creative life. So, If you start listening to the podcast and you feel lost and you feel like it's a conversation that you're not part of, that's kind of what it feels like. But if you stick with it, you'll start to understand that it's random and you can be part of it anytime you want. I will read you a review from the Onion AV Club. What makes I Seem Fun funny is Kirkman's inherent knack for cultivating conflict, even talking into a microphone in a room by herself. Whether she's dissecting a negative iTunes review from an angry Christian or seriously considering a class action suit against Robin Thicke for being gross, Kirkman is eternally embattled, but she tempers her cynicism with sweetness, and more often than not, she's right. Get ready to step inside to I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast. Welcome. I seem fun. I seem fun. The Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast. I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast, episode 274. Good day to you. I don't know what time you're listening to this. It's not my business. This is your private moment with your headphones or your Bluetooth or your car, whatever you're doing. Don't let me tell you what time of day it is. Only you know. Let's get some business out of the way. My next two dates that are the closest in time to when I am recording this, Dallas 
March 8th and 9th, I will be at the Hyenas Comedy Club doing four shows, two shows each night. Yes, after the shows, I'll be selling and signing books. The Saturday Night Late Show, there's a giant possibility that I'll run out of books by then. But uh, the goal is to try to accommodate anybody who needs something signed or whatnot. Uh, but I probably won't be just hanging around taking pictures because I have to get up at uh, 4.30 in the morning the next day. So there you go. Um, but Dallas Hyenas Comedy Club and Phoenix, I will be Copper Blues Live in Desert Ridge. This is a reschedule from when my plane wouldn't take off in February because the world is ending. So those are on sale now, jenkirkman.com. You can click tour. And then once you're in there, you find the date, you click, you buy tickets. If you're old fashioned and you want to, I don't know, call the, the clubs, why, why not? I'll give you the phone numbers. You can call Hyenas at 214-823-5233. And you can call Copper Blues Live at 602-910-5161. There you go. I'd love to see y'all again. I'm not torn for fun. I'm torn for money. So come see me or else I don't get paid. And then when I try to come back next year, they'll go, why would we have you back? No one came last time. I'd be like, oh, well, I don't know. Good point. Now, I don't mean to act like no one's coming. Of course, people are coming. But I just want to emphasize that I want you to come. Okay. Now, I'm thinking... Wouldn't it be fun to do a little ticket giveaway for Dallas? What if I did that? What if I said, what if I gave away two pairs of tickets to the Friday night shows, either the early or the late? Um, and all you had to do was email iseemfun at gmail.com. And you have to tell me a knock-knock joke. And the best knock-knock joke will get a pair of free tickets. How about that? And I'm going to say the deadline for this contest is going to be March 1st. Is that Monday? No, that's Friday. I'll give you a little more time. Monday, March 4th. Monday, March 4th for the ticket contest. The best knock-knock joke will win. But do it sooner than later. I seem fun at jenkirkman.com. No, that's not the email. Oh my God. Sorry, guys. I've had a fucking rough week. I seem fun at gmail.com. I seem fun at gmail.com to win a pair of tickets to the Friday early or late show at Hyenas in Dallas. Send me your best knock knock joke. The best ones will get a pair of tickets. Phoenix, I don't have a ticket giveaway for you yet, but I might. And what's else on sale also? Well, I'll tell you. Portland, Oregon, March 28th through 30th at the Helium Comedy Club. Again, it's a great comedy club. I encourage you to come on down. Thursday night show is cheapest. Then Friday night, second cheapest. And then Saturday night is a regular price of $25. And then in April, you will be able to see me in Pittsburgh and, uh, and Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. Uh, one show each night there. Please, please do come. And then I will be in Salt Lake City in May at the Good Guys... Uh, wise, oh, sorry, guys. I really should not be recording. Wise Guys Comedy Club. 
Come on down, jencarver.com, click tour. I'll be in Brooklyn on 9-11. I mean, what is better than that? And Boston on Friday, February 13th. That's right. Not February. Oh, my God, guys. I'm, fuck. Boston, September 13th. Just go to my fucking website, jenkirkman.com, click tour. And the newest cities that are just confirmed today, Omaha, Kansas City, and St. Louis, the dates and venues are confirmed. And those will go on sale next week. Uh, The official announcement will be Monday, but if you join my newsletter, you will get all that information on Monday. So, yeah, I'm coming there. It's going to be weeknights. I know that sounds a little crazy, but it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I you don't understand. It's been a really tough time booking um, exactly the nights and dates I want because I uh, usually we book a tour a lot in advance, and I, I wasn't sure about my job situation. So that's when it's going to be. Uh, it's either that or not coming at all. So hopefully you will uh, have enough time to plan and get work off that night or skip your homework or whatever you're doing. But uh, we're going to keep the shows early and we'll get you all out of there, hopefully by 9, 30, 10 o'clock the latest. Okay, great. So now let's do a podcast. So before I go into this week's podcast, I am recording this Monday, two days before it comes out. Uh, The elephant in the room is that I had a friend die and I don't want to talk about it. Um, I am exhausted and I am talked out. And, um, I'm just, I, it's one of those things where, uh, I don't want any looky loos listening to this and trying to write their latest article about whatever they're going to write about in regards to this. And, um, that's what people do, by the way, when there's something, uh, grossly enticing to them, like a comedian who dies, they will listen to podcasts of comedians that knew the person and they will draw quotes from it and write their little fucking articles and think pieces. And I don't want anyone doing that. So I will discuss it as needed. Um, and it'll just be in the middle of an episode somewhere, but, um, I very, uh, like, I don't need consoling. I don't want to get emails about it. It, it, it just sort of like, hits me in waves and I'm like, ugh, and I just can't think about it because it's so dark and I, um, have just been anxious the last few days and I'm sleeping with the lights on and I, I, I just triggers a little bit of some OCD stuff in me that I have around death. And so, um, and just, I just get freaked out and it's brought up a lot of stuff for me about, um, just how I just, you, you start reminiscing, you realize how old you are and just it's just the whole thing is just a lot. And so I can talk about it and I can tell you my opinions and I can soothe some of you that it wasn't a case of a sad clown. I will say that it wasn't sad clown secretly boohoo making everyone else laugh. This is bipolar disorder. And this is sometimes what happens. You know, it is one of the ways that people die from this disease and it is not black and white sad boohoo. If you need some help, reach out. That's not how the brain works on this disease. You know, um, I just don't want to talk about it because then when I turn the microphone off, I'm home alone in my house with the silence and the thoughts in my head again. And I'm trying to, um, I have other things I need to do tonight. So I don't want to get all in that space, but, um, 
there's that. So if you're looking for me to talk about it, that's what I'm saying about not saying anything right now. And um, anyone listening to this who wants to write their little articles, you can go somewhere else. So um, what was I going to say? Oh, so let's talk about some stuff this week. Um, but that's why my brain was just so fried right now because I'm just tired. And I've been doing a lot of talking. So, um, but let's still try to have some fun. So I never talked about um, the Ryan Adams scandal, which I really have zero to do with. Um, I definitely know people that know him and uh, people that have worked with him and you know, I never heard any of these stories. Obviously, it wasn't like, well, I've been keeping this secret. But I can't. It's just interesting. I, I had a, a, you know, I'm I, I'm certainly not going to say all musicians are like this, but I've just definitely experienced this so much. Like, and apologies to my friends that are musicians, <laughs> but like when a musician I don't know um, slides into the DMs, I'm always like, huh. It, you know, and, and again, now I'm like so old, I'm sure it's like nothing if someone does, but, um, I just remember a couple years ago, it was a few years ago and I got, he followed me or something. I, I knew like some people that were working with him and I hadn't heard any of these like awful stories and, uh, I must have been following him. I think a male friend of mine was opening for him on the road as a comic. And anyway, he went into my DMs and he wrote something. I don't know what it was. Oh, I know what it was. There was some kind of awards show going on. And I think it was um, maybe the Oscars. And I was in New York. And I was... Or no, I was, sorry, this is the worst story. Or no, was I hate when people do that. It's like, we don't care where you were or what time it was. It only matters to you, but we just want to know the details of the story. We don't need to hear all the like hemming and hawing and what day. I was at home in my kitchen in Los Angeles and it was some kind of big fancy, I probably the Oscars or the Golden Globes years ago. And I was just home in like, you know, your casual homeware, t-shirt, jeans, pajamas, sweatshirt, whatever. And I was cooking something. And so I took a picture of myself in the kitchen and said, I'm working at the Golden Globes tonight. Or something weird, pretending I was cooking for for the entire thing. And I posted that. And then later I posted a picture of myself sitting in a corner. You couldn't tell where I was. And I was like, I think I'm underdressed. And they put me in a corner. But I'm here. I'm here at the Oscars party or something. And then... I got a direct message from him, a picture of him on a couch in a t-shirt. But like, you know, rock stars, like, it looked like feasibly he might wear that to, to some kind of awards thing. And I couldn't tell what kind of couch he was on. It could seriously have been the backstage area of some kind of awards show. And so he wrote, I'm there too. Come say hi. And so... I thought it was possibly a joke where he was saying, you know, 
ha ha, I'm also not at this fancy thing. But see, that's when to not DM someone, that's when to just respond publicly would be, that's how I would know it was a joke because it would be like, oh, he's joking back with me about how we're both not in this world or whatever. And it would be fun. You know, like sometimes if you're two people in the public eye, him way so more than me, but you know that it's kind of entertaining if you fans of both of yours read a correspondence, right? But the DM made me think, well, one, it's just someone sliding into the DMs or two, I keep saying that like I'm hip or two, there, he is actually there and doesn't want like everyone to know because he's about to give me a location, right? So I assumed he was serious, but I also didn't care either way because I just got immediately a bad feeling. Just immediately was like, uh, this isn't fun. And I wrote back, um, I'm not really there. And then he wrote back, neither am I. I was kidding back. And then I said, oh, okay. And I didn't run anything back. And then he sent me a photo of a record. And, you know, I don't know what it was. It was like the Eagles' greatest hits, but not that. You know, something like, this is a really underrated record and it's really cool. And and I was like, oh, yeah, I don't really know it. You know, whatever it was. And then it just didn't go anywhere. And I was unfollowed the next morning. <laughs> and I was just laughing. I'm like, dude, sorry I'm not sucking you D metaphorically, you know, like, sorry, I'm not like, wow, I just not into it. And, you know, but I guess that's when I was like, oh, that's such a gross feeling that dude can't even have female friends or like comedian acquaintances, like all the comics and musicians are friends. It's such a longstanding tradition. Like, don't be, don't be gross. You know, it's just, so it was one of those weird things where I went, oh, I, I can tell sometimes when people are on fishing expeditions, you know. Um, and again, I don't think he was looking to get involved with me on any level from a true relationship to a hookup to a whatever mind control he was doing with people. But I do think someone that does those things when they're not doing those big swings like mind controlling people or, or being like mentally abusive. They're doing little things like every two minutes for the hit, like DMing a million people and seeing if they can get compliments or people admire them or, you know what I mean? And, um, I just could, I can feel that sometimes. And I'm just like not happening. It's happened with political people too, where I'm like, like David Korn from MSNBC. (laughs) I didn't know if he was gay, straight, 70 years old, 45. Like, I don't know. This man is way older than me. He started going into my DMs. Like, I would write him back about the Russia investigation publicly. Like, so does everybody, you know? And he would write me, uh, I'm about to be on MSNBC right now. Tune in. I'm like, you think I'm sitting by the television? I never have the fucking TV on just sitting around. It's not. And I'm like, dude act like you've been there, you know, like stop being so needy for, for women's approval and compliments. And uh, yeah, it's just weird. I just don't relate. Cause when guys DM me on Instagram, like you're sexy, I'd like to take you out to dinner when you're in town. I block them. And before I do, I'm like, fuck off. 
I don't want that kind of approval. It's disgusting. I just want people to like my comedy and laugh. You know, it's really, it's so simple. Buy a ticket, laugh. You made my fucking day. Like I don't need anything else. So that's my hot sizzling two weeks late. Perez Hilton, are you listening? Ryan Adams story. It's not even good. But I just thought you might want to know. Um, it's sort of like when that guy from the CBC in Canada, uh, what's his name? Not, I just want to call him Jumanji. <laughs> what's his name? Oh my God. I'm going to have to look it up because I'm going to say something accidentally more racist than Jumanji, but he molested everyone. So nobody cares. Um, what's his name? Gian Gomeshi. Uh, he almost tried to pull some shit, but I didn't fall for it either. I did an interview with him and it was a great interview was, and he was very nice. And I was like, Oh, like new interview friend, not like new friend in my life, but Oh, you know, when I'm in Canada, I'll go do a show again. But I, he was doing something. I think I've told the story before he was doing some kind of thing where I've seen a lot of radio guys do this, where they think they're being Howard Stern, but where Howard Stern is different is he's not sitting anywhere near you in the studio. And I just know that from being a fan and, and seeing the, the interviews and knowing people that have been on, he's not sitting anywhere near you. He's not actually getting near you and going like, you look good. And this guy was like one foot away and trying to like make a deep eye contact connection. And I was like, no, not happening. Like I could just feel something. And then he was like, hey, I think I'm coming to your show tonight with, you know, blah, blah. Can I get on the list? And so I was like, oh, yeah, here's my number. But I do that all the time with, like, anyone that, you know, like, producer of a morning show. It's just easier, and then I'll hook them up with the appropriate people to get the free ticket. So I was like, yeah, just text me if you're there, and I'll hook you up with the front of house, and they'll handle it. Like, that's all, you know, and I, it's like I never put their number in my, I don't, like, keep their number in my phone. I don't, like, that, it's just meant for that transaction. And then he texted me that night, Jen, I can't come to this show because my father's dying and I'm really sad and all this. is like, you didn't know your dad was dying this morning? Because it was, it, and he, and he, it wasn't a sudden thing. Like, oh, my God, my dad just got in an accident. It's like, my dad's health has been declining for a while. And, you know, I'm just really sad about it. It was, like, this vague thing that his his hook line and sinker into me I think was I'm you know he wasn't like I'm in the hospital or it took a turn for the worse it was just you know it was some weird thing that was like but maybe uh I have a book I'm writing on anxiety and I'd love to interview you about it I'll be in LA we can have coffee and I was like or you can just email me because like if you're really writing a book about anxiety and performers you're going to be interviewing hundreds of people you can't possibly sit and have coffee with all of them or if you are I would you know it, I just knew this is a scam you know there's no book or he thinks there is but it's it's an easy way to you can easily go well I didn't sell it yet but it, and then he was in LA and he's like I'm doing and he tried to impress me I'm doing I'm hosting a show tonight in Santa Monica where I am interviewing Zach Galifianakis and I can get you tickets and you can might even be able to meet him if I can pull some strings. I'm like, he's one of my close friends. No, thanks though. Thanks though for that hot um, take on, I'm, it was so gross, like dangling someone else's fame as like, I was just like, what do you take me for? Like 
a fucking 15 year old just off the bus from East bumfuck and that no offense to a 15 year old on a bus in East bumfuck right now listening. Shout out to you. But I just was like, this guy's weird. Then he kept going on and on about like my dad's sick and I'm in LA and I'm, and literally three days later, all the stories came out. Like he harassed me. He's abusive. And I was like, Oh, this creep was trying to get in on this. And I was like, not happening. I'm so, sometimes I just get, and I hope I always have this instinct. I just get these feelings where it's like, I don't know you. Don't text me. Anyway, that was neither here nor there. So great story. Once again, in the zeitgeist, um, we have an email update from Rachel, the is she or isn't she a lesbian who was going to ask the girl out in the diner. She sent me an email and in case anyone was wondering, this is her update. First of all, thank you for reading my email. I froze when I heard it. I had completely forgotten about it. That's what I love when people ask for advice. They forget they wrote it. Like, and I'm taking it so serious. I mean, it's totally fine. I don't mean, and I took it seriously and you forgot, but it's just funny. Now, a little recap so you or your listeners aren't confused. I'm a female college student questioning my sexuality. One day, I was eating alone at a diner and couldn't figure out if my waitress was flirting or just doing her job. My gaydar is subpar, so I asked for any tips about reading people. Also, I didn't mean to rhyme. Anyway, cringe, cringe, cringe. Listening to the email read aloud was 1,000 times cringeworthy. Who the hell did I think I was saying? I have a way with words. As if I'm a smooth-talking straight shooter. I'm not even straight. I think your suggestion about asking the waitress if she has an Instagram or other social media account was spot on. The problem is I'm not on social media. It's weird to some people that I'm not on Facebook especially. Well, that to me isn't weird anymore because everyone's jumping ship on Facebook. Even I find it strange when I hear a lot of other people living off the grid. Well, as close as off the grid as it gets in a first world country. Um where the ringleader, oops, I mean president, gives announcements via Twitter. Um, Just a side note, though. I'm not on social media because I tend to compare my life to others, and it makes me feel lame because I'm not going out and seizing the day 24-7. I think that's great. That's an act of self-care. If you know that that's how you're going to use social media and it doesn't enhance your life, don't do it. I have a thing where I used to, the year of my breakup, I didn't follow anyone I knew. I just followed fashion designers and interior decorators because my Instagram was for looking at things that that were pretty. And not that I didn't care about my friends' successes or relationships or lives or anything. I just didn't want to accidentally see someone hanging out with my ex or see something that would make me sad. I wanted like full control over what I looked at. So I think social media is really tricky. And if you know that it's not just going to be a force of good in your life, you don't have to be on it. Anyway, it sounds sad on my part, but I know that people put their best selves online. I'd rather see the full person, not just the highlights. Deb and Jesse, the two listeners who replied, gave sound advice as well. You know how the smallest thing can seem like the end of the world? That was the diner situation. As Deb said, asking someone out can be totally normal. Being myself and not complicating things are words I need to hear more often. So thanks, Deb. (laughs) <laughs> to Jesse and her frustration 
about younger generations throwing around LGBTQ terms loosely or in, in an attempt to be hip, you're right. I think it can be a bit much. But in today's society, where we're embracing, dare I say, encouraging the gay community to be loud and proud, why shouldn't people be able to say their sexuality even if they aren't sure about it? I joke that I still have one foot left in the closet, but at the end of the day, I'm just an adult age kid trying to figure out what and who I want. I'm anxious to be able to claim my sexuality. Until I feel comfortable in a relationship, I guess I'll just have to call myself maybe in. I'll definitely explore the internet world and social scene more and make a better effort to connect with others that are in my league. Jesse, I'm sorry about the straight girl heartbreak, but thank you for taking one for the team so that I can steer straight away from that. Uh, Jen, you were great in Chicago. Blah, blah. A couple girls near me were talking about how they came to the show by themselves and how they loved that you support it. Guys, girls, people, I, it's, my, it's my biggest cause. I know other people are concerned with climate change or voting rights. I'm, I'm all about people going to shows alone. I was so awkward when we met. Oh, I didn't even realize that that was you. I tried to explain that I bought your books on iBook and I only wanted a picture. I think you said you do you. That's cool or something similar. Guys, I don't remember what's going on after shows. I'm like so self-conscious. Like, do I want to sell and sign books and meet people? Yes. I wish I I wish there was a different world where that could just be on a separate day or something because I don't like coming out after a show. Like I'm self-conscious. I feel like I just talked for an hour, 15 minutes. I don't want to be looked at, seen. I feel weird. I feel like I'm imposing. It's just a neurotic performer thing. I'd like to just go be quiet because I, I have just given so much of myself that I, I don't like to kind of like my defenses are down and then there's all these people who want things from me and it it can get a little overwhelming. I'm a very sensitive, sensitive person. And uh, so nobody ever worry about what you say to me because I don't remember anything. Um, the only thing I remember is if people are like inappropriate and guys trying to touch me and that happens every show and I wish there was something more I could do about it. Okay. Um, that's that. That's that. So, you know, look. It just sounds like you haven't been in a relationship yet, but you are aware that you like women. So there's that. You know, I don't think you need to apologize to anyone for not having, in quotes, proof yet. You know, I don't think you're doing that thing where you're, like, thinking it's easier to date women and just doing that and just, you know, fucking with people's hearts and identities. Um, anywho, so good, good, good. I was all up in the Roger Stone trial, except I didn't watch it. Um, hang on one sec. Uh Oh, um, okay. I talked to my mother today. Oh my God. That Bohemian Rhapsody. I watched it on the plane. It is wonderful. The, it was so loud in my headphones. I thought the people next to me must be so mad, but I don't, think they could hear it through her headphones but I mean I was I was getting did you watch the Oscars no I have no interest in the Oscars oh but Jennifer you missed it well I can watch it online I don't know if it's on there mom everything's online they did um we will rock you mama I guess I called we will rock you mama like you were around when you know well whatever I put all the names together it was electrifying and so I didn't see it 
But I mean, I don't need to see Adam Lambert singing, but you know, I love Queen. I just love them. And what a wonderful movie. I mean, I know, listen, the reviews are mixed on Bohemian Rhapsody. We all know the director is a perv, blah, 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 blah. But that Rami Malek, he is so wonderful. And oh, I'm so, he deserved to win. He really did. But she's right. I mean, it doesn't get fucking better than Queen. But uh, that was my mom's review. Then she saw Steve Martin and Martin Short live with Paul Schaefer. Oh, they did two and a half hours. And Steve Martin, you know, my friend said he was too pompous. But I think that's his shtick. Martin Short is a wild man. I mean, he took all his clothes off. I go, what? She goes, he was part of a bit. I mean, we didn't see anything. But he was pretending you had to be there. I said, well, it's on Netflix. Oh, you have to watch it. And you know what, guys? I have no interest in watching it. I've never been a Steve Martin girl. I just haven't. I loved Wild and Crazy Guys. And I loved King Tut from Saturday Night Live. And that's about it. And I was a child when I saw those. And my sense of humor has developed since then. <laughs> um, I'm just not. And you, Oh, but have you seen is this? Have you seen? Yeah. I know, Shop Girl offended me as a young feminist. I'm like, get out of here with your male gaze. And I don't like guys who have babies at 70. Like, I'm sorry. Unpopular opinion. It's fucking straight up child abuse. Also, unpopular opinion with these, with these fuckwads that sent those kids to die in Feinstein's office, which the video was edited. They're like, she's horrible and doesn't care about climate change. On what planet do these fucking 27-year-old justice Democrats, which is not a group that is of sound mind and body. And it is not because I'm not liberal enough. It's actually a group hell-bent on dismantling the system. Good, we need to. Oh, no, no, no. So, first of all, if you have a kid that's under 10, you've had the information that the planet is past the tipping point. That even if today we begin all the shit we need to do to start slowing down climate change glaciers have broken off. And this is a thing that climate scientists, and I know some personally who I talked to when I was in DC, that was shocking to them. And they did not think that would happen so soon. If you have a kid and you sent them into Diane Feinstein's office to yell and act like children, but you have them and you know that climate change, that children is like your carbon footprint of having a child is the worst thing you can do for the planet today. If you sent your kid in, you're a fucking hypocrite. I'm sorry. It's not a popular opinion. I'm going to have unpopular opinion corner. But I'm sorry, peeps. I'm fucking sorry. It's like you cannot have your kid as a pawn screaming about climate change when they're here because you chose to bring them into the world, even though they may have to, in their young adult life, fall prey to victims of being hurt by crazy natural disasters that are happening because of climate change. I mean, listen, people, I tweeted it and then I took it down and people said, well, my parents had kids during the Cuban Missile Crisis. It's different. You can reverse, as we did, the Cuban Missile Crisis. You cannot reverse what we've done so far and, and we may not be able to. And I understand that having kids is the most balls out, act of hope, Let's do it. This is natural. I'm not against people having kids right now, even though we're past the tipping point. What you're doing is a biological imperative in a lot of ways. It's not 
abnormal. But if you're going to be a cuntaloo to Dianne Feinstein and send your kid in, it's like, well, what are you doing today for climate change? Because you just did the one thing that's not so great for it. And now this little person you made is really scared. And you could have adopted and you didn't. But you, ha- you made a person. You made a person. You had the information. Why weren't you up in arms five years ago? And why don't you leave the kid at home? And, and go- Do you know what I mean? She understands. She's old. She's not um, heartless. She's old. She's not a sociopath. You know, she's, she understands the concept of children or the future. She has grandchildren. That, that I, 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 I can't with. I can't with. Um, anyway, that's unpopular opinion corner. If any of you have unpopular opinions, <laughs> I seem fun at gmail.com. Let me know about them. Let me know. Okay. Right now, time to get serious about your skin people. That's right. Our sponsor BioClarity. Here is what you're going to do. BioClarity is a clean and green skincare brand that has products that just work. It's a time of year to get back into healthier habits. How many New Year's resolutions have you just went on? What about your skin? Everyone always asks me, your skin looks so good. What do you do? I do a lot of different things. And I will tell you one thing that I do, especially when I travel, is BioClarity. Their skin care line offers easy-to-use regimens with good-for-you ingredients that will give you great skin. So here's the deal. First of all, Why don't you just check out their website right now? Go to bioclarity.com and today, well, not just today, but right now for my listeners, you're going to save 40% on skincare routines plus an additional 15% off of everything on their website. That's an incredible deal, but you need to remember to enter fun at checkout. So here's the deal. They have all different kinds of skincare routines. Now, the one that I like for when I travel is called the Essentials Routine, and it's for normal or dry skin. It comes with everything you need to nurture, hydrate, and restore your skin. It's a three-step regimen that is packed full of detoxifying and calming nutrients, antioxidants, and a super special ingredient, which is Floralux from plants. You can only find Floralux in BioClarity. It's absolutely more than just a cleanser. It nourishes and soothes skin. It also helps with redness, hyperpigmentation, and evens out skin tone and texture for a healthy glow. Now, that's what I need when I travel. The airplanes, the changes in weather. It just sucks all the moisture out of my skin. I can drink all the water that I want, but I also need to take care of my skin. And then it starts to get red and blotchy. Three steps, cleanse, restore, and hydrate. All of their products are 100% vegan, cruelty-free, paraben-free, sulfate-free, and artificial fragrance-free, 100% risk-free, money-back guarantee. Now, that's just my routine. They have tons of other routines that um, that you can pick from, the, the clear skin routine, but I'm just talking about the one that I use. So get healthier, more radiant skin. Go to bioclarity.com. Again, you're going to get 40% off on a skincare routine, plus an additional 15% off everything on their website. That that way you can pick and choose and play around with different things. It's an incredible deal. You need to enter code fun at checkout, bioclarity.com, B-I-O-C-L-A-R-I-T-Y.com. Enter code fun at checkout. So we talked about our little friend Oppie last week, our little friend Opportunity, the little Mars rover, the little girl, the little lady, Mars rover who... Sadly, powered down. Um, 
I got an email from a listener who wanted to tell me some more poignant and cool things um, about Oppie. Forgive me if I cry. Hi, Jen. Hearing you recap the story about the Mars rover reaching her end days made me feel choked up all over again, but there's a final coda to this story that's even more poignant. From the article in the cut linked below, uh, thecut.com, after all the attempts to reestablish a connection with Opportunity, after they'd all failed and NASA had finally decided to declare the mission over, they decided to leave her with one final message. They played her Billie Holiday's I'll Be Seeing You, which closes with the lines, I'll find you in the morning sun, and when the night is new, I'll be looking at the moon, but I'll be seeing you. Oh my God. You joked that ordinarily the idea of having robots, having personalities sort of gives you the creeps, but that this story didn't give you that reaction. Maybe I'm a major weirdo, but I contemplate the possibility of Earth facing a robot apocalypse, Terminator style future all the time. But personally, the only thing that gives me fear about robots taking over the Earth is the cruelty and exploitation humans tend to heap on anyone that they deem other. If AIs do develop self-awareness with their own personalities and desires, then my hope is just that humans show them the kind of compassion and empathy that this story about Oppie has inspired. And hey, maybe at the same time, we could use that same empathy for each other and for animals. Wouldn't that be great? What are you, some hippie? <laughs> yes, it would be amazing. Um, I will say, though, I think the Oppie story is, you know, like you were saying, we were showing empathy. Um, I choose to see it a, a, just a touch more. I'm adding a little dash of cynicism in that. Um and I'm saying we were projecting onto Oppie, right? Uh, this is too sad, right? What if there's someone listening to my podcast that's never listened to Billie Holiday? Like, there's got to be someone young listening, or not even young, that doesn't know it's a woman, first of all, and that this is how awesome she is. Everyone get anything by Billie Holiday. Please, for the love of God, do yourselves these favors. amazing a really interesting historical thing too is um, I was reading this book it wasn't even about Billie Holiday and Judy Garland it was just about addiction stuff in general and Billie Holiday was a heroin addict and that was like she she was known I mean, I don't know how much so then, but we know now. I mean, everyone, those jazz musicians, but she was, and it was pretty bad. And um, Judy Garland also was for a little while. It was, for her, it was pills and alcohol, but there was a heroin period. And the way that managers and show business and studios treated Judy as opposed to Billy like the rehabilitation process was totally different because Billie Holiday was black and she was just like, like in County hospitals and treated like shit. And Judy Garland had this whole thing where they had to hide it from the world and she got this and she got that. So, uh, 
anyway, the life of Billie Holiday is pretty fascinating, but I thought that was a really sad, a sad reality to an already sad reality. All righty. Oh my God. So what else was I going to say? So there's Oppie. Oh, I was talking about Roger Stone. So I didn't watch his trial. I just, God bless these people. There's people on Twitter that do, um, they live tweet it. And I just can't believe what a doof magoof this man is. Like it's, <laughs> these guys think they're these like cool gangsters and they got their cigars and their stupid gross places in Florida and their hot tubs and their Nixon tattoos. And, and it's like, dude, he went on Instagram and put a picture of the judge in his case with cross, crossfire, crosshair symbols, like a gun, you know, like an assassin's gun. And she brought him back in like, um, excuse me, what the fuck was that? Like, he should have had a gag order already on him, but he didn't. So he's posting these things. And he's like, oh, I didn't know. And so they brought him back in to be like, you know that that's sort of a vague threat to my life. Oh, well, no, I didn't. Yeah. Well, you could at the very least incite someone else to shoot me. Oh, that's not what I meant. That, that. So his transcript is so ridiculous. And his whole thing, I have emotional stress. I don't have any money. It's $40,000 a month. Most people don't even make that in a year. Like it was, okay. I need to read this to you. Would you guys indulge me? in my reading of the transcript. And I might even, if you're lucky, do two different voices for you. I may, I may get into some high theatrics, high, high, high theatrics. Um, that is not a pun. I am not high. That wouldn't even be a pun. Um, but I am putting my sheets uh, and my towels. God, I'm so down to earth in my dryer. And I don't think you're going to be able to hear it in the background. And I know you're like, no, I love hearing it in the background. But that's not why I'm doing that. I just wanted them to be able to start drying so I could put other things in the washing machine. So I think I will read that to you because it is just so ridiculous that I thought that would be fun. Um, I'm trying to think if I did anything fun this week, but I really didn't. It was one of the darkest weeks I've ever had. And it already was a shit-ass week anyway because... Um, there was just something from the Writers Guild Awards that I didn't even get into, but it turns out my ex was there as well and we're not speaking and I didn't know he was there and I didn't run into him, but it just made me sad. And I was like, this is a shit ass week. And then it got shit assier with, you know, and then I'm just like, it's just been, it's just like my brain is scrambled because there's just been you know, darkness, but you know, I do all my spiritual shit and I do my therapy and I do my exercising and I have a really good self care. So it's like, no one needs to console me at all because that doesn't even, I mean, I hate to be rude. It doesn't really penetrate. Like I know all you guys care about me and that's really beautiful. Um, just download the podcast. That's all I really care about. But, um, yeah, it's just a shit ass week. So, but I did go to the, uh, do you guys ever been to a yoga nidra class? It's really just the fine art of stretching and holding it in one pose and laying. And it's like a 45-minute class. And it's sort of, it's too much movement to be totally called meditation, but it's not enough movement to officially 
it's not a workout yoga class. It's, it's actually the more meditative yoga. Oh, I went to one last night. It was so great. The only problem is that you don't want to get up and drive home after, but, um, it was the best thing, but it was so interesting because I was so tired. I kind of just wanted to lay there and fall asleep and I was getting resentful. <laughs> I was getting resentful at the woman teaching it because we'd be holding a pose and then she'd say, okay, so now get on your knees and move the pillows this way. And I was like, Ugh, I just want to lay here. I really wanted permission to just lay down and nap, but I think it would have been weird and it would have been even harder to get up after that. So Anyway, just reminiscing about that class. Okay, so I will read you now. Is this so boring? Oh, I don't even, I don't even give a chef. It's boring. <laughs> oh my God. What can I tell you else about what's going on? Um, what did I do this week though? I went on like four auditions, some voiceover stuff. Got close to one, didn't, didn't book it. I did my storytelling show. Oh, that's right. I did my storytelling show at the Hollywood Improv Lab, and it was it was so wonderful. I, I really am, I read another chapter of this uh, book pitch that I'm attempting to write, where you basically have to write two chapters and all this stuff, and you guys were so wonderful. You, it was a, you know, I'm trying to take a different path with my millennials, because I think that, and, and anyone younger than millennials, whatever, any, whatever generation is younger than Gen X and younger than the generation after that, there's some kind of propaganda going on where you guys are, the baby boomers are, are controlling this. They're, they're trying to make you think, well, I actually don't know who's controlling it. I think a little bit of bad seeds from all the generations. They're trying to make you think that Gen X people are the same as the boomers and that we never cared about climate change and that we never did anything. And I have a joke where I'm like, I can't prove it because I didn't have Instagram. But I always say, if you just watch Reality Bites, you'll totally see that we were you guys before you guys. And there's actually a documentary on YouTube about Generation X and, you know, the um, they called us slackers. And the, the thing is... Um, we had a recession, there weren't jobs. And we were slacking on what I say is we were slacking on the baby boomers ambition for us, not our own ambitions for ourselves. And we had to make up jobs and the tech space was just coming into focus. So all of those dot coms, I mean, this was all started by Gen X people, we were real fucking go getters. And we cared deeply about things. And we voted for Al Gore because he was the vice president that had written a book about the environment in the 80s. You know, it's like, I don't know what to tell you guys. So I write this thing that's like this chapter that I read was about let's heal that bridge because I think Gen X has a lot of wisdom that we can hand to the younger people if they would only let us. So, you know, the way to let someone in to trust you is you tell your history and then I had a part where we get real and I tell them what's going on. And then I talk about a spiritual awakening that they can have where, um, you know, I think Gen X are almost Buddhists in that sense because we, we just have a sort of acceptance of the terrible and it comes off as cynical and it comes off as lazy, but it's actually just a sort of a spiritual bent. Maybe I'll read the chapter on the podcast 
and just know that it's sort it's the very roughest rough draft but it was really about how I went to see reality bites I tweeted about it and then I got like attacked online for it <laughs> because people were like your generation was a slacker so maybe I'll read it it'll just be a fun thing to listen to um I don't think I'll do it this week but maybe on an upcoming week but um Anyway, so it, it was really with a lot of love that I wrote that essay where um, I actually really do. You know, when I was in my 30s, I did a bit on my album about how I don't like teenagers, which is funny when you're in your 30s because 30s is so young. But when you're in your mid 40s, you really can't be hating on younger people because then you do sound old and out of touch. Um, and I do think that. I don't know, I love my millennials like you're, you know, it's it's a. Uh, it's a fucked up time to be any age, really, but it, it it's definitely a fucked up time to be young. And um, but I'm telling you, like, it's always a fucked up time to be young. And I don't understand why your generation is. Uh, well, basically, what my story is about, and and well, I didn't make it up, but once Gen X was older, then they came for you guys, and they say the same thing about you guys that they said about us. So I'm like, oh, here we go again, you know. So anyway, um, but yeah, the book will be about a bunch of different things, but it'll be about being in between and sandwiched and, and, you know, I'm that age right now where I'm not, I'm not old. I'm not young. And, uh, if, if it becomes a book, you know, we, we have to pitch, we have to do this. We'll see what happens. But if you want to help my book become a reality, you can buy the books I already wrote. Um, and you can do that at jenkirkman.com and then you go to, uh, books and you can get them at an indie bookstore. You can get them on Amazon. You can get them on Barnes Noble. However you shop. And there's the Kindle versions, e-readers. Those are always cheaper. Paperback, hardcover. I don't know why you'd bother with that. Just do paperback. And uh, obviously the audio version. But I like the audio version, I'm going to be honest, doesn't help me with anything. It doesn't help my numbers really um, in terms of when they're looking at like, well, should we give her a book deal? Let's look at how our other books sold. So buy a copy for a friend. My first book is about not wanting kids. It was a New York Times bestseller. Second book uh, is about getting a divorce and traveling the world by myself and comedy and dating and living alone and blah, blah, blah. So I think that I don't see how any woman could not enjoy either of these books. Men too, of course, but they're really, really, I think women would relate. And if every single one of my podcast listeners bought a book, it'd probably be like number one on uh, any of the charts. So go get those books and that'll help me have a lot of heavy weightness to get the second, the third deal. Okay. For our next segment, let's read this. So this is Roger Stone facing the judge. Direct examination from the judge, whom he posted a photo of with crosshairs on her face, talking about how he is a victim of a deep state conspiracy, blah, blah. And now here he is shitting himself on the stand. Um, okay. Mr. Stone. Mr. Stone. Did you abuse the judge's trust in you when you posted the Instagram that has now become Exhibit 1? Yes, I did. Your Honor gave me a wide berth for which I am grateful. She, I don't know if this is his voice. I'm just making it. What, what is his voice? 
I've actually never listened to it because I hate him so much. Let me hear his voice. And then I might not do a proper impression because I don't do impressions, but I will do a like making fun of it. But if you want me to make a more accurate make fun of it, um, then, then I will. Let's see if I could get his voice down. Ugh, what are these ads? Oh, they're not going to play his voice, are they? Where's his voice? I need to find him on an old clip. Should I have prepared this? Of course I should have. Does it matter? Not, not to the real fans. Okay, here he is. What's he saying here? If there is an ad on this. I want to be mad at Ari Melba for his stupid, like, I was like, well, thank you, Mr. Mueller, for sitting down with me today. You know, as Kanye West said, Jesus walks. It's like, please stop quoting hip hop. But it's, it's his thing. And you know what? Good for him. Oh, they keep showing footage of him, but they keep not showing him. And as the judge says, um, okay, here he is talking. I think this is finally going to be his voice. Oh, okay. His voice is very nondescript. It's kind of like, a, like, like this. Okay. <clears throat> Mr. Stone, did you abuse the judge's trust in you? Oh, that's right. I've changed the accent on this person. Did you abuse the judge's trust in you when you posted the Instagram that has now become Exhibit 1? Yes, I did. Your Honor gave me a wide berth for which I am grateful. She also gave me an admonition which I regret that I did not take to heart. I believe I abused the order for which I'm heartfully sorry. I'm kicking myself over my own stupidity, but not more than my wife is kicking me. Like, he makes a bad joke. It's like, dude, you're going, to you're going to jail for your life. And just stop trying to be cute. I offer no excuse for it, no justification. I believe it is the outgrowth of... I believe the lapse of judgment was the outgrowth of the extreme stress of the situation. I've been in political combat, but I've never been the subject of a seven-count criminal indictment. Never even had a speeding ticket. Well, it's like my grandmother. She was never sick a day in her life, but eventually eventually hit the wall. I'm being treated for emotional stress. I should also say that I have acute financial stress. Your Honor, this my consulting business has dried up and is virtually non-existent, so I really make my living from speaking, writing books, writing, and sales and speeches. So you, have an, so you have four other jobs. <laughs> I've exhausted my savings. I'm being treated for the emotional stress per the judge's order. I don't offer any rationalization or excuse or justification. This is just a stupid lapse of judgment. So then he says, oh, I didn't post that picture of the judge in the crosshairs. It might, a volunteer did that works for me. So... Mr. Stone, in a posting that followed the original posting, you mentioned something about a volunteer may have posted the posting. Is that accurate? I did not select the image, but I did not review it, and I didn't take into consideration the implications. That doesn't make any sense. So you didn't review it, so you wouldn't have even had a chance to take into consideration anything. The posting is my responsibility. I regretted it. There was an immediate media firestorm. I took it down and issued an apology. 
It took him days, though. My apology is sincere, and it is heartfelt. This was an egregious, stupid error, for which I apologize again to the court. Do you understand that the posting could be viewed as a threat to the court? I now realize that. That was not my intention. I didn't recognize the Celtic cross in the corner. I just glanced at it. I didn't think, so I can't rationalize my thinking because I wasn't thinking, and that's my own fault. I'm Now I'm just going wild with voices. Do you understand that the text can be viewed as an attack upon the integrity of the court? I recognize that. I regret it. It is, as I said, again, I think my bad judgment is born on the from the emotional stress of the situation. I can only say I am sorry yet again. It was an egregious mistake. I would obviously wish I could do it over again, but I cannot. How can we be assured, Mr. Stone, if the judge remains with the order that she entered, allowing you to speak freely, how can we be assured that there will not be a recurrence of something like this or anything like this? First of all, I'm very grateful to Your Honor for the initial order because I do have to make a living. And I'm sorry that I abused your trust. I Is anybody paying to speak to you about this case? No. Okay. So in order that you couldn't speak about this case wouldn't affect your ability to make a living. That is correct. All right, continue. I recognize that I let the court down. I let you down. I let myself down. I let my family down. I let my attorneys down. I can only say that I'm sorry. It was a momentary lapse in judgment. Perhaps I talk too much, but I am under enormous pressure. I now have television commentators talking about the likelihood that I'll be raped in prison if I'm, if I'm convicted. This is a stressful situation for me and my family. And in all honesty, I'm having trouble putting food on the table and paying the rent. I've exhausted my little savings. Dude is a cabillionaire. I cannot use anything I raise for my legal defense for my personal expenses. That goes strictly for my attorneys. Your Honor, I only beseech you give me a second chance. Forgive me the trespass. What is this, church? I'm heartfully sorry. This is a sincere apology. I will treat the court and all your orders scrupulously for the dignity and authority you deserve. I am. I hope you'll consider my plea because it is sincere and heartfelt. Okay. So now... Now the judge is questioning him. The notice of apology said the post quote was a random photo selected from the internet posted at my direction. What do you mean by posted at my direction when just now you said I didn't select the image, I didn't review it? Well, I just said get a photo. I am responsible for the posting. I just did not look at it. I didn't review it properly. That was my fault. I'm not offering a rationalization. I'm taking responsibility for the action. In all honesty, we wanted to get the apology to you as quickly as possible. I recognized that I made an error. I was at a doctor's appointment. The apology was read to me. I rushed home to sign it, and it was sent, I guess, electronically. I'm just interested in this concept that you don't see what gets posted on Roger J. Stone before Roger J. Stone posts it. Is it? No, I didn't say. Is it anyone else's Instagram account besides yours? I'm not sure I understand your question, Your Honor. It's your Instagram account. Yes, I am responsible. And is it fair to say you are 100% responsible for anything that gets posted and it's not anybody else's fault? That is correct. I take responsibility. I don't have any employees. I do have volunteers helping because of my financial circumstances. They do a lot of the clerical work. I am, in all honesty, not very technologically proficient, but I accept responsibility. It is my fault. Do you know how to do a Google search? Yes. Do the volunteers that work for you 
know how to do a Google search. Yes. How hard was it to come up with a photograph of her that didn't have a crosshairs in the corner? Your Honor, I didn't recognize it as a crosshairs. I thought it, I didn't even notice it until it was brought to my attention by a reporter. Well, and at that point you said, what some say are crosshairs are in fact a logo of the organization that originally posted it. Is that your explanation for that? That's the truth, Your Honor. I had to go back and look at it. All right, but being a logo and being crosshairs are not mutually exclusive, are they? Well, but I think in this case it's supposed to be a Celtic symbol as I understand it. Why are you now saying it's a Celtic symbol? Because I researched it and that's how it comes up. Haven't you also said publicly that it was actually an occult symbol? Oh, it's a Celtic occult symbol. It's the same thing. What does it mean? I don't know, Your Honor. I'm not into the occult. (laughs) And haven't you also said on InfoWars on Tuesday, after you took the post down, that this whole set of circumstances is just another example of the media making you a target? Well, the media just is in the question, excuse me. I apologize, Your Honor. Yes, as in as in an example of your gag order, it was widely misreported almost immediately. I think people read the headline but didn't read the specifics. I honestly did not believe that these were crosshairs. I honestly thought, I, I took it down and I apologize because I recognized. Well, according to the apology, the post was improper. So what was improper about it? My attorneys wrote that and I signed it because it was improper for me to criticize it all. I recognize that. Well, at the time I imposed the order, there were no restrictions on your talking about the case. So my questions to you are not about the fact that you criticized the Office of Special Counsel, that you criticized me, that you criticized an opinion in the case I'd written earlier. My question to you is, what is it that you said was improper when you told me it was improper? Again, I did not write that I signed it on the advice of counsel. I would have, well, wait. Yeah? You said to me, I abused your trust. Yes. I'm heartfully sorry. It was, let me finish my question. I'm sorry. I'm kicking myself for my own stupidity. Yes. I have no excuse. It was my stupidity. It was a lapse of judgment. I regretted it. So what was the lapse of judgment that you regret? I shouldn't have posted any of it at all. It was a mistake for which I seriously apologize. It was an egregious, stupid mistake. Why is it consistent with how sorry you were when you sent the apology to continue for the next two days to speak publicly about the fact that you are being treated unfairly in this situation as well, that it's really this symbol, that it's really that symbol, it's the media going after you? How is that consistent with your telling me that you're deeply and sincerely sorry? Because that was a reference to what I believe was a media distortion of my intent. It was, I did not have a malicious intent, Your Honor. Did you understand that what you did could have a malicious impact, notwithstanding your intent? That's why I abjectly apologize, and I have no rationalization or excuse. I'm not seeking to justify it. It was an error. Does the, spe- does the Office of Special Counsel have any questions they would like to ask the defendant? Okay, so then they cross-examine him. Okay. Good afternoon, Mr. Stone. I would like to start by asking you a few questions about the facts of this Instagram post that we have been discussing. Yes. Who exactly posted this photo on your Instagram account? I did. It was not a volunteer? No. Initially, I thought it was. I do many posts a day. I had to go back and look at it. I didn't think about this appropriately, as I said. Excuse me. Did you not just tell me under oath less than five minutes ago that someone else posted it? 
No, no, Your Honor. I said someone else selected the image. You saw the image that was posted before it was posted. Yes, Your Honor, but that's not inconsistent. I didn't choose the image. I did post it. So, Mr. Stone, to make sure I understand your testimony, it was another person, a volunteer, who selected the image. Is that correct? That is correct. And you saw the image before it was actually posted on the Instagram account. Yes, but I did not recognize the inappropriate or potential implications of it. Who picked this image? Well, nobody who works for me will live up to it, so I'm uncertain. So you don't know? I do not know. How was the image conveyed to you by the person who selected it? See, that's the best part. Okay, so someone that works for me showed me the image, and I signed off on it. Well, then how'd they show you? But, but I don't know who it is. Well, how'd they show you? I mean, wouldn't you just be able to check your email? You know, it's such a fucking lie. How was the image conveyed to you by the person who selected it? It was emailed to me or text messaged to me. I'm not certain. Who sent the email? I would have to go back and look. I don't recognize. I don't know. Somebody else uses my... How big is your staff, Mr. Stone? I don't have a staff, Your Honor. I have a few volunteers. I also... Others use my phone, so I'm not the only one texting because it is my account and therefore it's registered to me. So I'm uncertain how I got the image. I think it is conceivable that it was selected on my phone. I believe that is the case, but I'm uncertain. So individuals whom you cannot identify provide you with material to be posted on your personal Instagram account and you post it even if you don't know who it came from. Everybody who works for me is a volunteer. My phone is used by numerous people because it can only be posted to the person to whom it's registered. How large is your volunteer corps? I have five or six people. And you're telling us that with all of this attention that has been paid to this post and the fact that you're coming in here and testifying about it under oath and the fact that you say you received it electronically, well, I think it was saved electronically, and you don't know who gave it to you to post. I do not, Your Honor. But you saw it and said, okay, I'm going to post this. I didn't really recognize the implications. As I said, it was thoughtless. But you saw it and you said, okay, I'm going to post this. Yes, it was an error, Your Honor. Mr. Stone, did I hear you say a moment ago that you believed the photo was emailed or texted? It was either emailed, texted, or just saved on my phone. I'm really not certain. Did you save those emails or texts? Prob- well, I'm not certain how it was transmitted. It may have been saved on my phone. When I post on Facebook or Instagram, I'm banned on Twitter. My cell phone is used because I'm the only one registered. So the image would be saved on my phone and it would be posted. I don't know, in all honesty, how it was saved. When you say my phone is used, who's the subject of that sentence? The passive voice is not helpful. Who uses your phone to post? All of the people who work for me. They all have license to post on your... Ins- if I have them doing shares on Facebook or working on Instagram, yes, Your Honor. Have you gone back since the time that this post was put up and taken down? Have you gone back and asked the five or six people who work for you who saved the images and, and nobody will admit to it? But you believe that you may have either the underlying image... I. I Let me finish my question. You believe that you may still have either the underlying image saved to your phone or an email or text message transmitting the image to you. Is that correct? 
it, it is possible. I erased all the images, Your Honor, because I did not want to make that same mistake twice. Oh, my God. How many images did you have? They gave me two or three. What were the others? I don't recall. You had a choice. It was random, and it was an error, Your Honor. Okay. I'm just trying to get to the facts here. We started with somebody else did it and you didn't see it. Then it was, no, somebody else found it, but I posted it. Now you're telling me somebody else found more than one image and you chose this one. Is that correct? Just randomly, yes, Your Honor. You closed your eyes and picked. No, I just, I do 10 of these a day. I, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm, I'm trying to struggle with the situation. Randomly does not involve the application of human intelligence. You looked at multiple pictures and you chose one. Is that correct? Yes, but. Or not correct. No, that's correct. All right. What are the names of the five or six volunteers that you're referring to? I would, um, Jacob Anglais, Enrique Tario. I, I would have to go back and look. I've had an influx of people helping me since my indictment. And your testimony is that since the time of this post, you went back and asked these people, and have they all denied? I said, who got me the photo? Where did the photos come from? And nobody will, will own up to it. But your testimony is that you were provided in some form or fashion with multiple photographs of the judge, and you selected the one that went on the post. Is that correct? That is correct. How about the text of the post? Who wrote that? I wrote that. The hashtag fixes in. You wrote that? Yes, I did. And the phrase Obama appointed judge, you wrote that too? Yes, yes, I did. Now, Mr. Stone, you've described earlier, oh, I'm sorry, how, what device was used to post this message on Instagram? Was it your phone? My cell phone. Or other device? My cell phone. Because all my other devices are in the possession of the FBI. <laughs> and so your testimony is that there may have been another volunteer who had access to your phone and put the images on there and you selected from them to use the phone to post the message on Instagram. I'm sorry. Ask the question again, please. Your testimony is that someone else may have used your phone to obtain the images. Yes, yes. And then you used the same device to post the message on Instagram. Yes, yes. I did not exclusively. I do not exclusively use my phone. That's what I'm saying. Now, Mr. Stone, a moment ago, I think I heard you characterize the post here as a lapse in judgment. Do I have that correct? That is correct. But what we're talking about here, it wasn't just one isolated incident, was it? I'm not sure what you refer to. On the same day of this post, after the post went up and came down, you did an interview with a program called InfoWars. Do I have that correct? Yes, yes. And in that interview, you repeated the phrase, Obama appointed judge, right? Yes, I did. And in that interview, you again referenced the Paul Manafort case. I'm not certain. And in that interview, you again referenced what you called in the post the Benghazi charges against Hillary Clinton. You used that phrase in the InfoWars interview again. It is likely, but I do not recall. And the InfoWars interview was not the only interview you gave in the time after the Instagram post. Is that right? I don't recall another interview. You gave an interview with CBS News. Is that right? I did not. Did you make a statement to CBS News? I put a statement out on my Instagram feed in which I tried to explain the circumstances as I saw them. Okay, on and on. It's just about, he's lying about how many, like, media things he did. Okay. 
I felt the media was falsely saying that I was posing a danger, which was not my intention. And this was not a crosshair from, in my opinion. And I did not want to be blamed for something that was not my intention. I had no malicious intention. The words were, were poorly chosen. I explained the circumstances as I explained my lapse in judgment and what caused it. Uh, I've heard what you, then the judge goes, I've heard you say, and I'm going to take everything you say into consideration. Um, okay, but, okay, Mr. Stone, Mr. Stone, I just have a few final questions about this phone. Who was with you in your physical proximity at the time you posted the message to Instagram? Was anyone? I would think so. Yes. Who? I don't recall. I would have to go back and think about it. On the day of your Instagram post, did you give anyone else your phone? Yes. Who? Multiple people. Name them. Let's see. At some point, Jacob Anglaise, I believe, had it. I really don't. I'm not certain. I'm sorry. I, my house is like a headquarters. I have many volunteers. I thought you said you had five. Five is a lot. Okay. I just want to make sure that I understood. Five is a lot for coming and going. All right. Mr. Stone, finally, does anyone have your Instagram login and password information? Yes, I believe so. Who? Mr. Anglaise. Is Mr. Anglaise the only person or is this someone else? He's the only one that I'm certain of. What other social media accounts do you use besides Instagram? Just Facebook. Does anyone else have your login on Facebook? I'm uncertain. Mr. Stone, you've mentioned a couple of times now the five or six volunteers, but I've only heard two names. Can you give us the list of the five or six volunteers? I have Raymond Perez. I can't really recall. People come and go. They're all part of the same group. Tyler White does some posting for me, mostly on Facebook. I'm sorry, I don't recall the others. It's a revolving situation. You say it's a revolving situation, but we're talking about a post from four days ago. What was the list as of four days ago? I've given you the names that I can recall. You're saying there are other names that you don't recall. I have had, I would have to go back and examine. I mean, it has been a whirlwind, sir. I would have to go back and examine it. I would have to think about who was there and try to reconstruct it. So as you sit here today, you cannot remember the names of all of the volunteers. Everybody who's, let me finish the question. You cannot remember the names of all the volunteers who were working for you four days ago. Correct. You cannot remember the names of all the people who had access to your cell phone four days ago. Correct. I have no further questions. This is someone else. Mr. Stone, when did you realize that this was a terrible mistake you made? After I got a text from a Daily Caller reporter, no, pardon me, that's incorrect, from a Daily News reporter who said, why is there a crosshairs in the photo of the judge that you posted? And I didn't know what, what he was talking about. I had to go back and look, and I said, that's not what that is because I didn't believe it is what it is was. And what did you do once you got that call and you got that look and you saw what appeared? First, I asked that it be cropped so there'd be no misunderstanding, then I ordered it taken down. And why did you order it taken down? Because I realized it was a stupid mistake and it was abusing the judge's order. So I come to a question that I think I asked you earlier. What assurance can you give the court or any of us that something like this will not happen again? I only beseech, Your Honor, that I'll be more judicious in my actions. I understand the order better. I obviously recognize that I'll be held responsible. I owe you a personal apology. I've given you that. It's heartfelt and it's sincere. This is a screw-up and I admit it. It's just amazing. 
anyway, they, they, they didn't throw him in prison. They gave him just a more severe gag order that I believe if he violates, it's jail time. But man, that was fun to read. And hey, a little extra. If you didn't like it, well, then until next week, have fun. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader.